in. Let's go. It's another episode of the Wobcast 2.0. I'm your host, Wobby. Here, it's a special episode of the Wobcast 2.0. It's your second one of the week, and we wanted to do this because we didn't get a great chance to preview and break down the Vikings-Panthers matchup, which is happening on Sunday, of course. We spent most of our time on Monday in the original episode of the Wobcast 2.0 for the week, kind of breaking down what happened against the Chargers, which wasn't really very much fun to talk about, but we had to figure stuff out so the Vikings can start to straighten their course out here in the 2023 season. So we thought we'd come back on a more positive note, preview the Carolina Panthers-Minnesota Vikings matchup on Sunday, predict the game, share a story, have some fun, and talk Vikings football. So that's the task for today. We're glad you're along for the ride with us. Joining me as always to break this down and talk things through is my partner and co-host Giles. Let's bring him in right now. It is not his favorite day of the week, Monday, which it normally is when we record. It's Friday, but he joins us in a good mood nonetheless. Hey, buddy, how's it going? Hey, hey, you read my mind. I was just about to say we're one step closer to the best day of the week. Monday's almost uh, yeah. here. Uh, but it is Friday. It's uh, prep for a good weekend, and I'm even more excited to put a W on the board for the men in purple. Yeah, let's uh, let's see if the Vikings can do that. We will predict, give you our predictions for the game at the end of the episode here. So uh, travel with us through this preview and this story from the past as we break this game down. Giles, it's Vikings-Panthers Sunday at uh, Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina, 12 o'clock p.m. Central Time kick. Vikings enter the game four-point favorites over under 46.5 for this contest between the Vikings and the Panthers. Both teams, gals, entering at 0-3. The Vikings, of course, with losses to Tampa Bay, Philadelphia, and the Chargers. The Carolina Panthers with losses uh, to Atlanta, New Orleans, and last week they lost in Seattle. Expectations different for these two teams, these two franchises entering the season. The Vikings entered the season as contenders looking to get over the hump. Uh, The Panthers entered the season with a new head coach and the number one overall pick, quarterback Bryce Young out of Alabama. Truthfully, though, even both of them at 0-3, I think the season is still right in front of them because neither team plays in a division in which someone is running away with things early. Uh, The NFC North and the NFC South, both divisions where um, despite 0 three starts for these two teams, um, they can get back into the thick of things if they can pick up some wins here in the next month or so. For the Vikings, it's a tall task with San Francisco and Kansas City on the docket, but they do have games against Carolina, which they are favored in, and Chicago, which they will be a favorite in. So uh, the Vikings have a little opportunity in front of them here, and who knows, if you can upset one of San Francisco or Kansas City, you, you might be onto something. Um, I think we have a lot to, to break down here in this contest, gals, and we'll try to get through it quickly here in the next uh, 30 or 40 minutes for folks, and then we'll get to our prediction. Um, let's begin. I, I think we should begin with Carolina with injuries, if you don't mind, Giles. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, only three games in here for Carolina, but injuries are a factor. In fact, for my money, two of their three best players on defense are out of this game. Uh, and that is linebacker Shaq Thompson, a leader on the team, and corner, young, a young player, but corner J.C. Horn. Both of them are studs, and both of them are on IR. Furthermore, their quarterback, Bryce Young, missed last week's game with an ankle injury, so Andy Dalton stepped in for him. 
Uh, a lot of other players on the injury report for Carolina, DJ Chark, hamstring, uh, Jonathan Mingo, wide receiver concussion, CJ Henderson, a corner with an ankle, Miles Sanders, running back with a groin, all dealing with ailments, all on the injury report. Xavier Woods, their safety, a former Viking, likely will not play in this game. He hasn't been practicing. He's dealing with a hamstring. So I think the one we should talk about the most here, Giles, is quarterback Bryce Young. Mm-hmm. Um not a great start to the season for him. Now he he's a rookie, first you know number one overall pick and a rookie, and you don't expect them to start a blaze, right? Um, mm-hmm. They're going through it for the first time, and um, you know young kids coming into a man's league. But uh, it was not an overwhelmingly positive start for Bryce Young. Don't know if you've had a chance to put your eyes on him on any tape or any games, or if you've had time to sift through any data. But your thoughts on on Bryce Young? Your thoughts on what Andy Dalton did last week, and if you could have your druthers, would you rather play Bryce Young or Andy Dalton on Sunday? That is an incredibly simple answer for me. I would much rather play Dalton because uh, he has a lot more experience as a quarterback. I mean, he diced us up in a few games in the last few years playing for other teams. And I'm huge on Bryce's young or Bryce Young's uh, potential in the NFL, maybe next year, uh, but. At the current moment in time, he's struggling. I think he has a, a 59.2 completion percentage, which is not great, I believe. Yep. Other than Desmond Ritter from the Falcons, he's the worst uh, starting quarterback in the NFL right now. Uh, yeah. The only area in which he's even remotely okay at is uh, running the ball with his legs. Uh, otherwise, when it comes to fumbling, he's been a bit of a fumble machine. He has a 23.4 grade in fumbling PFF-wise. Uh, when it comes to passing, not much better. He is a, he's at a 40.1 grade. This guy just uh, not making it happen. He's at 4.2 yards per attempt. Uh, he's only thrown for 299 yards so far this year. Uh, not not great. I think he's attempted no. maybe 71 passes this this so far this league. So honestly, full stop. I'd much rather play against uh, Mr. Dalton, the 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 Red Rider over there. No way. You'd rather play against Young. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I, oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, yes. Correct. I'd much rather play against Bryce Young. Yeah. Right. Uh, you. Great point of, uh, of clarification. Yeah. If you were Carolina, you would play Andy Dalton, but you're yes. Minnesota, so you'd rather face Young. And I think you broke it down the right way, Giles. Um, yes. You know he he and he's also taken six sacks. So yeah. you know I, I I wondered about Bryce Young and this ankle injury, um, because. I have no reason to believe that Bryce Young is anything but tough, talented, passionate. I mean, he played for Nick Saban and was successful at Alabama, and he's the number one overall pick. So I believe he's got all the tools you want in a in a player. So I was surprised that he wasn't playing last week against Seattle with an ankle and a little ankle injury. And I I kind of wondered if this was Carolina taking an opportunity to sit their young quarterback and let him take a breather mm-hmm. and, and not having to bench him to do that because he had an ankle injury. So they could use this yep. ankle injury to sort of rest him and have Andy Dalton play for a spell. However, it looks like Bryce Young is going to play on Sunday from what I can see reading between the lines. So I don't think that's what this was. I think this was a genuine injury that caused Bryce Young to sit out. Andy Dalton was respectable in replacing Bryce Young last week. He had no uh, interceptions and two touchdowns. He threw for a bunch of yards, but he also had a lot of attempts. So, you know, I think you know what Andy Dalton is, and there is a ceiling to his upside. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't know what Bryce Young is, and there is not a ceiling yet to his upside. Bryce Young, and I would say this about Justin Fields to some extent, 
Bryce Young is going to have a 250-yard passing, 100-yard rushing, four-touchdown game. He's got that in him, and that will happen this year. And if that happens to you this week, you're going to lose. So that's a risk in playing Bryce Young. But Bryce Young also has a four-sack, two-fumble, you know, 112-yard passing day in him. And if that happens, you're going to smoke Carolina, and that is more likely to happen this week than the former, right? So I'm with you. If I'm the Vikings, I'm hoping it's Bryce Young. Um, I, I think there's more volatility there. There's more vulnerability there. And, um, and so I think the Vikings would be um, fortunate if Bryce Young is, is to play for Carolina on Sunday, and that is what I think will happen. Um, the other injuries I think um, are, are significant, uh, and they, they mostly reside on the defensive side of the ball. So let's get into the Carolina defense. Mm-hmm. Um, defensive coordinator is Ezreo Evero, who came over from the Denver Broncos and was a candidate for the Vikings this offseason. Now yep. the Vikings ended up with Brian Flores. Uh, and Everell goes to the Carolina Panthers, joins Frank Reich's staff there. He runs a 3-4 defense, odd man front. Um, and again, a couple of his best players are out, but they still have a, a handful of other really good players. And I think the one st- real stud that people know who they have left um, is Brian Burns. Brian Burns, yeah. Uh, you know, who was the talk uh, of, of trade speculation, Uh over the course of the off season, but is is in tow with Carolina and is a really really good player. Mm-hmm. I could not agree more. I think Ezra Evero has clearly proven to be a pretty phenomenal defensive mind, considering mm-hmm. the the defensive woes that the Broncos are facing right now. Last year, they were one of the best defenses in football, and now they can't stop anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously, there's a few things that have changed over the 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 course of the the offseason but clearly he was a, a pretty big factor in getting the broncos to where they need to go so i think that's an important thing to note especially when you get into our keys to victory um that defense is much better than much than most people think because they also have uh, some other really great elements on that defensive line uh, you have Derek brown he's a top yeah. 10 interior defender right now uh, he's yep. even better than brian burns in terms of performance this year so uh there are no slouches over there in carolina uh charlotte has definitely produced a decent line over there so, um, and let's, I'll run through some of those names, gals, because you're right. They've got some other good players that people will know. Safety, Von Bell. Uh, mm-hmm. You mentioned Derek Brown. Cornerback, C.J. Henderson, who's got an ankle, but I think he'll play. Um, uh, Dante Jackson at corner. Their nickel is Jeremy Chin. Um, and they have, they have Justin Houston um, yeah. in Carolina right now, who's long in the tooth but has yep. experience getting to the passer. So, yeah. um, you know, they, they do have some players over there. They've got a scheme over there. Um, they've got the optimism that comes with a new head coach. They're playing at home. They're winless. So, I mean, there's there's a little bit of juice there um, that, you, that you've got to deal with uh, as, an, as a road adversary coming in. Now, I look at Carolina, and we've got to temper our criticism here a little bit with their points per game allowed, Giles. They're at 27 points per game allowed on defense, which is eighth worst in the NFL. But the Vikings defense is just a sliver worse than that so um there hasn't you know i look at go back and look at those three games the panthers have played and mostly digging through box scores and highlights and recollecting um you know some of the game updates that i saw while watching other other games namely the vikings games i don't think there's one dead set way to go about getting around the carolina defense um, I think you know Carolina had some success running the ball late in the game. Atlanta had some success running the ball late in the game, but New Orleans primarily did it through the air. So, 
I'm I'm inclined to throw the ball against them more more so than I am to try and really overdo it on the ground game. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think their injuries in the secondary are significant and hurt them, and I think the Vikings' true strength is throwing the ball. So I'm inclined to say go through the air here, and I know we're going to get into this with our five keys to victory, um, but I would encourage the Vikings not to lose their identity and lose their mind here and try and reinvent themselves. I don't mm-hmm. think they should ignore running the ball, but I think the way to attack here um, is through the air, so long as you can... Uh, Block, Burns, and Brown. Um, I think the loss of J.C. Horn, I think C.J. Henderson being iffy on his ankle, the absence of Xavier Woods, all of that does not add up to being very good for Carolina's defense. Yeah, I could not agree more. I think uh, when when it comes to to the Minnesota Vikings, I think we talked about it last week, but I think we maybe try to overestablish the run uh, against the Chargers. Uh, I'm a big fan of establishing the run, but I think we're going to have to find the right balance when playing the Panthers because uh, we are the third best passing league in the or team in the league. So we need to uh, lean into that and lean into our strengths in which we are very strong. We have one of the best offensive weapon sets in the league, and I think we should use it appropriately. So yeah. I could not agree more. We talked a lot about the Panthers so far, and we're going to get into the five keys of victory and the prediction, but let's let's talk a little Vikings, Giles, in this one. Um, you've had a week to sort of chew on things, not only uh, from a, uh, a Chargers perspective with the data, but also looking at the matchups and the areas of weakness for Carolina and the areas of strength for the Vikings. You put together uh, some graphics that we'll share uh, with folks as we post this too. Um, so where where do you feel the Vikings can attack here? Um, coming at this from a Viking-centric perspective after talking about Carolina for the first 20 minutes or so. Yeah, 100%. When you're looking at uh, specifically the Vikings' offense against the defense, I think uh, they might try to sell out and stop Justin Jefferson because they're yeah. struggling a little bit in the secondary uh, in terms of injury and I guess their past performance. Um, so I think they're going to really try to cover Justin Jefferson, which I think gives TJ Hawkinson and Jordan Addison a pretty major opening to have a phenomenal game because uh, I don't think they have the linebackers to prove it, uh, to be able to stop them. I, I think you have uh, Frankie uh, uh, Luvu. He's had a decent year, uh, but I think whenever they try to sell out and stop TJ Hawkinson, I think Jordan Addison's going to be the counterpunch there. So I really expect one of those two, if not both, to have pretty phenomenal games because uh, I think that's the only way they're going to be able to slow our offense down is try to sell out for Justin Jefferson. Yeah. You know, and we talked about Jefferson earlier in the week, uh, you know, disappointed with the loss, but Jefferson's numbers were good. I mean, I, he wins every rep, man. I mean, he mm-hmm. – he <laughs> it, it's it's he's really a tricky – um, opponent for the adversary to try and figure out how to defend because it's like even when you shower him with attention, mm-hmm. he gets his numbers, and then you got Jordan Addison run wide open for touchdowns like like the Eagles faced right. Yep. Um, and then if you don't sort of shower him with attention, he will really torture you. He'll torture you for two hundred. Yep. No J.C. Horn, C.J. Henderson hurt. Mm-hmm. I. I just don't know how Carolina would do it. I mean, I know so, so so sell out to stop them. You think with like rolling coverage over and double teams and right? Is that they what might you even think? Triple team, uh, yeah. honestly. Um, which 
Honestly, when you compare the offense to the defense, I, I don't think there's enough for the Carolina Panthers to do to be able to stop any one particular piece. Uh, if they sell out and try to do that, we're going to counterpunch them elsewhere. And that's not even trying to mention Josh Oliver. Uh, he is currently graded an 83.4, uh, according to PFF, so far this season. That puts him as number one as uh, as a tight end. He's, he's the, be the best tight end in football, according to PFF, uh, across 68 qualified tight ends. Like, wow. this guy is phenomenal. He's been doing great against uh, the run, against the pass. He's been receiving very, very well. I think there's a chance that he could also have a pretty phenomenal game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think, I think there's enough grit and quality um, from a personnel standpoint on Carolina's defense that I don't, I mean, Seattle scored 37 on them, but, the, you know, they were at home last week. Um, I, I don't know that this is an offensive breakout get-right game for the Vikings on offense. I think I think it's an opportunity for them to uh, fill up the stat sheet like they've been doing and then come away with a win. There's an opportunity for that, which makes you feel good. Um, but, you know, I expect this to be a, a fairly balanced uh, um, box score from a targets, receptions, and yardage standpoint for the Vikings. I think this is an equal opportunity situation for Kirk Cousins against this defense. We will see what happens. Yeah. Um, I don't want to steal the thunder of the five uh, keys to victory, but uh, let's talk ground game just very quickly before we move on to that segment. Um, mm -hmm. We both have stated you don't have to overdo it. You mentioned perhaps they did overdo it trying to establish the run last week. Cam Akers' inclusion is possible here this week. Um, mm -hmm. It might have been Alexander Madison and the running game's best output um, and best performance last week. Um, what part, what percentage of the attack do you foresee the ground game being in Carolina? Um, I think uh, it will be less than what we tried against the Chargers, but I definitely think it'll be more than what we attempted via uh, the Eagles and the Bucks so far this year. I think they're going to try to uh, even out just a little bit more. And... I do think that Cam Akers might be the number one running back in this game, RB1, uh, because mm. I think, and we mentioned it during the last episode, that I think the Chargers might have tried to give us a little bit extra on the run game uh, to try to strip the ball. And clearly they had two scenarios in which uh, Alexander Madison could not hold on to the ball. So I think that's going to be enough for Akers to step in his RB1 to give him a shot. Now, will he keep that position? We'll have to see. Uh, he's having a little bit of a down year thus far. But last year, he ended the year at an 80.7 grade. He had a great last year uh, in, in uh, Los Angeles. So if he can continue that performance, he's going to have a great spot and keep the spot at RB1 but I do think Alexander Madison might get benched a little bit here in terms of uh, snap count so I do expect Cam Akers to be on the floor uh, and on the ground uh, giving it a go as RB1. Interesting we'll see if, if that happens and what's interesting about the Cam Akers signing Giles is this was not a, uh, a, a quasi signing oh I mean he's the GM so he he's the one who did it but this is this is Kevin O'Connell going to Quezzy being like I like this guy Wes yep. and I offensive coordinator Wes Chandler and I had him in LA and LA doesn't want him anymore let's go get him he's got juice he can do what we're going to ask running backs to do right yep. so this is not the head coach being forced to play with a toy that the GM went out and got this is the head coach being like yeah let's go get this guy I can't wait to have this toy in the in yep. the toy bin right so yep. Yeah, because yep. if we want to win, we got to have a better running back. And, and second of all, even if you trust Alexander Madison to have great performance, he's had fumble fingers. So you yep. got to be able to have someone that can hold on to the ball. And Kevin O'Connell has spoken publicly about that, that we're going to put guys in that have better ball security. And I think yep. Cam Akers will be one of those. Yep. 
All right, Vikings-Panthers Sunday at noon. Five keys to victory for the Minnesota Vikings as they try and get off the schneid and put a win in the win column, get to one and three, and turn this season around. Giles, let's get to it. Five keys to victory. I went first last time. I'll let you take it away with number one this time. All righty, rock and roll. Well, I think the first key to victory against the Carolina Panthers is to rise to the occasion. I mean that uh, pun intended. Mm. I think uh, you need to put Jordan, or you need to put uh, Dalton Reisner in at right guard. Unfortunately, right. when it comes to Ed Ingram, he's had an abysmal performance when it comes to pass blocking. And when you look at the Carolina Panthers, they have some dudes up front. We've talked about it before. When you look at uh, all the different people that the Carolina Panthers are putting on the field, when it comes to Derek Brown, you have Brian Burns. Those guys are having phenomenal years. Derek Brown has uh, an 85.3 grade. He's ninth best in the league this year for interior defensive play they're going to get some push up front and when it comes to interior offensive line play we simply need to do better so i believe garrett bradbury will be back in at center uh, although he is not a an all-world center i do believe him to be better than austin slotman and i do believe that he's a product of his environment where if he can have solid pass protection performance on either side of him i think he rises to the occasion as well uh, no pun intended so i think if you can put indulgent reisner in i think you're going to get a better offensive line play uh across the board especially in the interior and you need to keep kirk upright in this game whether we're running the ball or passing the ball pass protection needs to be a point of emphasis going against the the line uh, against the the panthers so uh that will be the first key to victory um in in terms of interior play and that's both on offense and defense i think uh when you look at uh, the other side of the fence uh the the vikings are 14th in sacks percentage allowed okay so we're not we're not the worst in the league but we're definitely not great we're about middle of the road and when you look at the Panthers, they are ranked fourth in defensive sack percentage and they're 11th in interception percentage. So I think there's going to be a low key uh, uh, anxiety here uh, about the, the Carolina Panthers trying to get after Kirk Cousins. So I think you, you simply need to get better in that way. So uh, if we can if we can uh, tie that up, I think we're going to be able to keep on the ball and move forward. All right. Number two this is a bit of a dovetail off what you just talked about, Giles. For me, uh, number two key to victory for the Vikings on Sunday against the Carolina Panthers, please block Brian Burns. Like, <laughs> like, like print it. I hope they printed his picture off at TCO this week and put it like on the door to the cafeteria and the door to the bathroom and the door to the like, like block this man, please block this man because he is really good and he's a good enough. He's one of the players that can, single-handedly ruin games for you like ev like almost everything else you do right but you didn't block brian burns right and then you lost because you didn't block brian burns right he's like he's there daniel hunter and some may argue he's like a little bit better than than daniel hunter is for the vikings he's like um with with, with shaq thompson out with jc horn out brian burns is public enemy number one for the Minnesota Vikings offense. Please block him because no matter what you want to do, throw the ball to Justin Jefferson, throw the ball to TJ Hawkinson, run the ball with Cam Akers, no matter what, it won't work if you're not blocking Brian Burns. So number two key to victory on Sunday for the Vikings is to block that man, Brian Burns. Boom. Could not agree more. Moving out of the third key of victory, I think you need to put your play Akers in the game uh your playmakers but with an emphasis on acres yeah, i think both like via run and via pass i think he's proven to be a pretty phenomenal threat in the receiving game when he's utilized in that way but more importantly we need to properly establish our run game because uh 
I think through the first two games, we were averaging 2.4 yards per rush attempt, which is not great. Now, I'm not saying we need to run the ball every time. Establishing the run doesn't just mean quantity. It means building up the threat of the run so they load up the box so you can throw better, right? At least in my opinion, you're trying to establish the pass sometimes via the run, right? Uh, establishing the run so you can pass better. And I think Cam Akers is the perfect threat to be able to do that because I believe, like we mentioned before, that the Chargers maybe artificially inflated our run, uh, run percentage. So I think uh, if we can put Cam Akers in, we can be a little bit more of a lethal threat with a specific emphasis on threat against the run um, to be able to uh, open up uh, the rest of our passing options. All right. Number four, no special teams mishaps. The number four (laughs) key to victory for the Minnesota Vikings. I definitely have my eye on special teams in this game, Giles, and I'm going to go through why right now. Number one, their punter is Johnny Hecker, who is a very talented player and has a history of being asked to and executing many fakes and gimmicks on special teams. Uh, passing, running, all sorts of things, especially when he was with the Rams, uh, along with Greg Zerline and, um, and their special teams coordinator uh, in L.A. His last name was Fossil, Jim Fossil's um, son. His first mm-hmm. name escapes me now. But um, special teams, so from, from, from the Panthers' standpoint, Johnny Hecker on punts, no mishaps, um, uh, play your cues, and no mistakes, don't overlook anything. Also, for the, from the Panthers' perspective, guys, do you know who returns kicks and punts for them? Who is that? I'm, I'm trying to remember now. Emir Smith-Marset. Oh, oh, boy, revenge game. Here it you is. Think, yeah, you think he'd like to rip off a long one or two against this team, against the oh, Vikings? Oh, mighty motivated, that's for okay. sure. Okay, yes, he would. So he's motivated. Watch out. And he's good. He's good at it, too. Mm-hmm. Watch out yep. for him. And Definitely lastly, lastly, the Panthers, as mentioned, are dealing with injuries, especially on defense. More times than not, the folks who are covering kicks come from defensive positions, corners, linebackers, athletic defensive linemen. So with the injuries on defense and backups being asked to step up, you have backups to backups being asked to step up on teams now. And so I think there's going to be opportunity for the Vikings with regard to returns for the Vikings against Carolina, maybe fakes because you've got players with not a lot of experience who are just so hyper-focused on doing their job and only their job that they're not looking around and there may be opportunity to pull a fast one on Carolina's special teams. So the shenanigans and the mishaps on special teams must be heavily in favor of the Vikings on Sunday. If it's even or if it's in favor of the Vikings, that's great. If Carolina pulls one or two over um, on special teams on the Vikings, huge advantage for them because this should be an area of the game that the Vikings dominate on Sunday. There we go. And that brings us to our last key to victory against the Carolina Panthers. And it should be probably pretty obvious you got to stop Adam Thielen. Mm-hmm. Uh, across the last two games, he's averaged an, uh, a 78 grade uh, PFF-wise 
through the first two or first uh, the last two games. Like he's mm-hmm. doing phenomenally over there. He is uh, he's showing up in all the right places. We've known him as a Minnesota Viking throughout the entire career, and he's known as having great hands, running great routes, and he has translated all of that over to uh, those guys in blue over there in Carolina uh, against the New Orleans Saints. He had an eighty point seven grade against Seattle. He had fourteen targets, uh, eleven receptions. He went for one hundred and forty five yards. He is the Adam Thielen of old. So I think if you're looking to stop that Carolina Panthers offense and put them dead in their tracks, considering injury, you got to put a stop on Adam Thielen full stop. Yep. Don't disagree. Um, If you thought he was too long in the tooth and couldn't be a factor, uh, ask Seattle about that. Seattle still won the game, but um, that was a, uh, a throwback performance from Adam Thielen last week against Seattle. Don't you think? Oh my goodness. I mean, with 13.2 yards per reception, there's clearly still something there. Yeah, absolutely. That brings me to a story I want to share, Giles, if you've got okay. a minute for story Let's time. Let's do it. Yeah, you good with that? Um, yeah. I remember uh, it was a Monday during the 2018 season. I don't remember what week it was, but it was it was a Monday. I approached uh, Mr. Adam Thielen about signing a, a mini helmet. Um, you know, we would have things around. This is when I was still with the Vikings. You know, we would have certain memorabilia just around the office uh, that we had ordered um, and you know you get permission and you could grab one and and um, and have it signed and it wouldn't be for your personal use or for your family or for a buddy back home but if you had a silent auction or a, a charity you wanted to donate it to we had an allotment of things for that so I, I I would do that from time to time and I approached Adam about a mini helmet so I could donate it to a silent auction and he obviously, without hesitating, said, yeah, he can do that. So I'm, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll find you later in the week so you can sign this mini helmet for me. And I stashed the helmet in the bottom of a drawer in my desk uh, for later in the week. So a busy week, as they all are at this time of the year in the NFL, ensued. And the way it works, uh, at least when I was there, was Friday's practice is earlier in the day than the rest of the week and it so it ends before lunch they cater in a lunch to the locker room and then everyone goes home early on on a friday because you want to get rest for the weekend so as is typical everyone after friday's practice is really hungry in a hurry to get out of the facility go home and spend some family time you haven't seen your families very much all week because it's been a busy week of practice so people are rushing and they're in a hurry um and so i'm i i leave the facility i'm long gone i'm sitting at home and um on like friday afternoon yeah and i get i i i look at my phone i'm i'm getting a facetime call from adam thielen and i'm like what what is what could this be you yeah. know and so i answer it and adam i see adam he's sitting in my he's in my desk chair and he's calling to ask me where the mini helmet was so he could sign it uh. so so I could donate it. I forgot about it. I, yeah. I, I didn't even get home and was like, ah, oh, shoot, I forgot. about. It. I just totally spaced it. Yep. Adam did not forget about it. Yeah. So like there are so many memories that Adam has provided Vikings fans and me, you know, th- from his time with the Vikings, the, the particularly games against the saints. I seem to, I just have so many images, images of him with big catches against the saints. Um, playing through an excruciatingly painful injury um, against the Eagles in the NFC title game, which we ended up losing, obviously. The way he came up as an undrafted tryout, call of the wild type of player out of Minnesota State, Mankato. But um, this memory I just shared here today is 
really is more about who he is uh, than any of that other stuff and who his family is too. It speaks to his upbringing. It speaks to who he chooses to surround himself with um, that, you know, he would have the presence of mind and the empathy to on a Friday afternoon, uh, mosey his way up to my office, sit in my desk, FaceTime me and say, where the heck's that mini helmet you need me to sign? You know, crazy. Yeah. Um, He's already secured his place as a Minnesota Viking ring of honor guy, but that cements it. Yeah. All right. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you feel that way. He's absolutely a ring of honor guy. And, um, he's got a great family. His folks are awesome. They were along for the ride too. And we're always really friendly Would um, always approach, um, us and talk to us and be friendly with us on the road at hotels. So I enjoyed, you know, uh, the interactions with them as well. So, um, I always root for good things for Adam Thielen and I'm not rooting against the Vikings, of course, by any stretch. But if Adam Thielen has two touchdowns uh, on Sunday, I, it, it won't bother me. Um, you know, <laughs> um, I, I want good things for him. But more than that, um, I hope he's healthy and I hope they're enjoying their time in Carolina. So uh, Adam Thielen, a true gem. One of those examples of you really do want to meet your heroes. If you look up to Adam Thielen, if you've always thought Adam Thielen's a great guy, but you've never met him, you don't know him, and you hope he doesn't turn out to be one of those rotten eggs, uh, that's not him. Adam Thielen, genuinely a, a, a good guy. So uh, just a story I thought would be interesting to share and timely, considering the Vikings are going up against their former friend on Sunday. Revenge game. Here we come. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, so let's get down to it, guys. Let's predict the outcome of this game. Um, as mentioned, Vikings and Panthers on Sunday at noon. Uh, Vikings installed as uh, three-and-a-half-point favorites at the beginning of the week, but it's crept its way up to four now, guys. The over-under is 46-and-a-half. So the Vikings, fairly significant road favorite going to Charlotte, North Carolina, to play the Carolina Panthers. The prediction segment begins now, and I'll let you go first. My prediction is partially aspirational uh, because I want the Vikings <laughs> to uh, reset the, the narrative around their their team. But yeah. I predict the game to be 30 to 12 Vikings. I think we need to reestablish that we're a dominant team. We are the team that we believe we truly are. And I believe there's enough deficiencies and injuries on the Carolina Panthers that we should be able to shut this game out handily. All right. I like it. I'm, I'm a little bit uh, I'm on the same side of the fence as you. But I'm foreseeing something that's a little hairier here, Giles. I think I think it's a little bit closer than that. I settled on 26-17. Okay. Um, and I believe that that will it'll be like 2017 or 20 to 10 in the fourth quarter, and then the Vikings will just perform better. And it will feel like a a victory in a one score game, but because of a late Vikings touchdown, it'll end up being a two score win. Um, so even though the record will not be changed, the Vikings will remain winless in one score games this season after being 11 and 0 last year, it'll feel like, Oh, we finally got one of those one score wins that we had so many of last year. It'll end up being 26, 17. The Vikings will skate out of bank of America stadium. One and three, 26, 17 Minnesota Vikings. Now, Boom. um, I believe we both predicted the Vikings to lose to the Eagles. But aside from that, we've been predicting Vikings wins all season long. So I hope, I hope finally we get this one right, man. The Vikings need it more than they can breathe right now because they're looking at the Chiefs next week, and in three weeks they're looking at the Niners. So this would be one of those gotta have it, don't you think? 
A hundred percent. This is a have to have game coming up against a very tough stretch. Arguably yep. one of the toughest stretches across the entire league when it comes to, to future schedule. Yep. All right. So that's going to do it for this special edition of the Wobcast 2.0. Giles, did we enter or did we empty out all of your notes or do you have any to get to still? You probably still do. You need uh, yeah, no, we're empty for now. Uh, hopefully okay. uh, all of our predictions come true. My goodness. <laughs> I hope so too. All right. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Wobcast 2.0. We're glad you guys joined us for a bonus episode this week, and we hope you all enjoy the game on Sunday. To listen to past Wobcasts and to listen to future ones, please like, subscribe, and follow the Wobcast 2.0. You can find us wherever you find all your other favorite football content podcast specifically it's google play it's apple podcast spotify and then of course we're also on youtube on behalf of giles this is wabi signing off for now but we're going to be back on monday hopefully to talk about a vikings victory the first one of 2023 until then though skull vikings